Hello and welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Spiritual Leadership Masterclass. My name is Amy McDonald and I am one half of the faculty joining you all week for a really powerful and deep dive into what it means to be a yogini and a leader. Nicole is here and she's my co-host for the series and I am so delighted to be sharing this uh, journey with her. The two of us are successful business owners in our own right. And I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure Nicole will agree on this, that getting to the point where we are in our businesses has come, you know, has has been in part a journey of leadership as well. So everything that we'll be sharing with you over the week, definitely drawing from our own experience and we'll be sharing some of our own stories. We can teach you a bunch of what not to do's, but hopefully a whole lot more what to do's in how to blend together what is important to you in your life, and then how to grow and leverage your business, share your gifts with the people who need it, and really be successful in a way that you you know that you're meant to be without compromising on your needs, without self-abandoning, without having squishy-mushy boundaries, and feeling great about it along the way. All of the things which come together when we talk about what it means to be a spiritual leader. Look at all of these people joining us. Hi, Nicole. Nicole and Amy says, Tracy, hello, Glennis, good morning. We're so, oh, Julie's here, a whole bunch of you are here. It's great to see you joining me live. So today with our very first training, I'm going to, we're going to be having a conversation about money. And I know that uh, money is something that I talk about a lot in my other programs that I offer in my business. And it can be a topic that can be triggering to a whole bunch of people. So before we get into what is the connection between leadership and money, what I'd like to just flag for everybody is that um, money can be a triggering topic. And I know culturally, definitely where I come from here in Australia, money can be one of those topics that is a little bit taboo that you don't talk about. It's not common for people here to talk about how much money they earn, what they spend their money on, or to talk about sort of numbers much at all. And And I know from some of the people in my community, in fact, we were talking about it earlier this week, that for a lot of us, even though the topic of money can be quite taboo, it can also be very inherently connected to self-worth. And so, you know, people can sort of, unfortunately, we can sometimes fall into the trap of measuring how good we are as people, how well we're doing in life by money. And that combined with the fact that it can be taboo, combined with the complexities that we can sometimes bring to walking a spiritual path means that money can be a little bit of a triggering topic. So know that if anything that I'm sharing with you today about money triggers you, that's great news. And I lovingly invite you to consider that as an angel messenger, to consider any triggering that might happen during this training or afterwards in the session later that Nicole's going to teach about money miracles. Uh, note those down in your journal or, you know, incorporate them, draw them into your Svadhyaya practice, into your contemplative practice, whatever that looks like for you, dog walking, meditation, uh, I don't know, like salt baths, whatever you do, but let them actually come in and be percolated so that you can get the juice out of them so that you can really reap the boons that can come from any triggers that might arise. Know that wherever you're at with your 
business, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's abundant and fabulous or you're feeling like it's a struggle, wherever you're at with your money story, if you like, I was not that many years ago where I had a whole lot of drama about money and a conviction, a deep, dogmatic, uh, righteous conviction that in fact being broke made me a better yogini uh, through to I love money and the more I have, the more I can give. Wherever you may be on that spectrum, you're perfect. You're all perfect. And we're going to have a collective conversation here today, no matter where you're at on your journey. Welcome. We're gonna have a great time. Let's see who else is here. Uh, Nicole says, I love that you're opening with that. Money is so tied to self-worth and get very messy and triggering. Nicole didn't say that that was me. Absolutely, yes, right? So, you know, just welcome, soften in. If anything comes up for you, note it down and come back to be present with us in the training because all of those triggers, you know, they get to be great grist for the mill. It gets to be great stuff that you can unpack and play with and work on. Um, <clears throat> if you drop kind of, the energetic attachment and, and vibration, the frequency to it, and just settle in to go, huh, curious, here's a thing that I might like to play with a little bit more for my own journey. So today, let me read it so I get it perfectly correct. The topic that I'm going to be teaching on is why being comfortable making money is a massive part of being a spiritual leader. And in preparing for this class, what I've come up with are three main reasons why I think the money piece gets to be so closely connected to the leadership piece. If you're brand new to this conversation, you haven't checked it out yet. Nicole and I have also done a whole bunch, five in fact, of uh, trainings or lectures, satsang, podcasts on spiritual leadership as well. And we can share the links with those uh, of those with you again afterwards in case you want to go catch up on all of those. If you feel like you're jumping into a conversation halfway through. Hey, Carol, it's good to see you here. Mahari Giba says, good morning, everybody. Purple heart. I love a purple heart on a Friday morning. Good morning. So you can go catch yourself up with the podcast if you've missed out on those. But for today, we're jumping right into this conversation about why making money is actually an important part of being a spiritual leadership leader. And like I said, I've, I've sort of clustered those into, for the purposes of today, three main reasons. Today, we're also going to be going through the worksheet that accompanies this training. It is here in the Facebook group. If you're like, but I'm looking at that on my phone and if I go look for the handout, I'm gonna lose you or anything like that. Don't worry, I've got you. I can read you the questions. It will be beneficial if you have a journal. And like I always say on my trainings, I promise this will, this will be deeper work and more lasting work if you can single task and be present with us here and now. Now, if you're dropping kids at school or you're packing up from your class on a Thursday night or, you know, I understand life is busy and we all have a whole bunch of things to do. If at all possible, if you can close out your other tabs or, uh, you know, sit down <laughs> with your phone. All right, if you need to go make a tea or get a water or something, excellent. But if you can be more present, you will reap greater rewards from being here with us today. Hello from Chicago. Hey, Janet, you live in a good city, Janet. I've only ever been to Chicago to do yoga. What a big surprise. And uh, get driven around by my friend and taken to Whole Foods. We don't have Whole Foods where I live, in Australia at all, actually. I think I still just come to America annually so that I can shop at Whole Foods, stock up on things. <laughs> little bit jealous. Not that we have, you know, not that I have grasping for it. Or I totally I have grasping for Whole Foods. What am I going to say? You don't, you don't, you know, 
yeah, I have, we have like this much vegan stuff in my little country supermarket. So that's what I remember from Chicago. Good whole foods and yoga with my teacher. All right, so let's jump into the training. It's great to see everybody and I'll try and say hello to you as you continue to pop in, but I wanna get into the guts of it today because it is a super juicy topic and I think really powerful to open this whole week with this conversation. So if you do have that journal and you are taking notes, here's point number one about why actually being comfortable making money is a really important part of being a spiritual leader. The reason that I would love you to embrace a level of comfort in making money, in being a spiritual leader, is because doing your work is important. Now, whether you're a yoga teacher or, in fact, I'd love to know, type it into the chat for me. What is your business? Are you a yoga teacher? Are you a studio owner? Are you a body worker, an energy healer, a coach, a nutritionist? Type into the chat for me. What is your holistic practice? I think we're all here because we have some kind of business that really uh, is comes from a place of passion that we're all here to share gifts with people that we ourselves have experienced. We've understood the healing and transformative power of that modality. And we know that in fact, it is our dharma. It is our path, our own individual calling to share those gifts with more people and seek to spread the healing that we've received with more people who have yet to receive it. So I'd love to know what is it that you do so that I make sure that I'm pitching for everything that I'm gonna be saying to you accordingly. But regardless of what your modality is and where you've trained and how long you've been in training, I suspect that investing in the leadership development is probably not something that you've considered in depth before. And if you think about it, um, I, I, you know, my coach always likens it to sex, right? Did you think it was going to go there, Nicole? Think about it though, right? Sex. Nobody talks about it. Nobody actually does any formal training in it. Everybody thinks you should be good at it. Now tell me, how does that work? Trial and error, kind of. And maybe that's okay when it's sort of in the privacy of your own home. But if you take that analogy, and I think it's true, right? Leadership. Nobody really talks about it. And everybody expects you to be good at it. Right? How are you going to know? Because it's not like you're just like you and someone in the privacy of your own home. This is you on an even bigger stage. So I suggest actually it's something that does need to be invested in that. Yeah, you've got to be good at it, but let's not presume that that just comes naturally. And let's also not take the chance that you're going to be good at it without taking some training beforehand. <clears throat> if you've done like I have a bunch of yoga teacher trainings, maybe part of your training included a portion of leadership skills. I know in my 200 hour teacher training, we got a little bit of training about ethics and boundaries. You know, not don't go out for, to dinner with your students, that sort of thing. But that was kind of where it ended. And in my 300 hour teacher training, um, because of the nature of my teacher's background, we had some training on things like uh, transference, counter-transference, group dynamics, but really we never in, in, in that formal 500 hours or the subsequent, you know, hundreds of hours of teacher training that I've taken since never actually had a conversation about how do you do leadership well? And moreover, how do you do leadership as a yogini? What does it look like to bring those two things together? And like Nicole and I were sharing last week on our podcast series, 
If you look at the yoga industry in particular, and for those of you who, who, who are working in other modalities, please, you know, uh, draw your own parallels here. There are a whole lot of leaders in our industries that we can look to who did it really badly, who were very good examples of how not to do it. And you don't have to look very far back into history at all to see that, well, in just the what's broad what's broadcast commonly on social media, for example, is bad examples of spiritual leadership. And so again, if we think about this something that probably we haven't had any formal training in, and it's something that we see more often than not poorly modeled in society, how on earth are we suspected suspected to know what to do and yet we are expected to know what to do. So this can show up in a whole bunch of different ways. Maybe you're avoiding stepping into a leadership role because you want to be collaborative and inclusive and you've had a bad experience with a leader in the past and you certainly don't want to do that. And so rather than stepping into the energy of being a leader, you're in avoidance. I'll just let people figure it out. We're going to make group decisions. That's not quite what I want, but you know, it's close enough. Or I guess I could compromise here because I'm a yogini and, and that means I'm nice all the time, right? All of this is bypassing leadership. So this isn't to make anybody wrong or to identify that, you know, you suck, get out of here. Absolutely not. The point I'm making here is that we need to actually start to understand, welcome and call in the fact that leadership is a skill set. And it, while we may have natural capacities in some aspects of it, it doesn't mean that we're going to be great at it. And it certainly doesn't mean that we're going to be great at it all the time, particularly when the stakes are high or the issues are complex. Thanks for the hearts, everybody. So the first reason that I believe that money and making great money is very important to the role of a spiritual leader is because it's very important to reinvest in yourself as a spiritual leader, to support yourself, to get the attributes and the skills and the techniques that you need so that you can do it well. Because I promise you, there are amazing examples of beautiful spiritual leaders doing incredible work in the world, being prosperous, sharing their gifts, pursuing their dharma, and not transgressing their own values and boundaries in what it means to be a yogi. Shout them out if you've got some examples as well. Hey, Sabina, great to see you here. Glennis teaches yoga and meditation. Tracy says, therapist, yoga teacher, Zen Taishetsu therapist, money and sex, two most important topics that no one talks about. Love it, right? And it's true, Nicole. Everybody thinks you're supposed to be like, damn, great at it. <laughs> but heck, you know, I'm not going to give you any like personal stories from the sex tapes of Amy McDonald because that's just going to put you all off. But what I will say is I've made a lot of mistakes uh, in leadership because I didn't know what I was doing. A yoga school owner, meditation teacher, genome healing practitioner, nutritional med medicine, maybe practitioner. My goodness, look at you all. You're all so talented. So <clears throat> think about it and type into the chat. Like, when was the last time you actually? took a training or invested in some kind of professional development that was, was particularly based in growing your leadership skills? Have you actually signed up for something like leadership training or um, how, to, how to manage teams or how to be more empowered or how to really 
lovingly enforced boundaries or how to manage complex group dynamics or how to uh, <clears throat> how to manage conflict or how to stand on the stage and deliver a motivational and powerful speech. When was the last time that you took a training along those lines? I want to know. Let's see what people have got. <clears throat> Asher's having tech trouble. Sorry, Asher. I hope you can get us on the replay. If anyone else is having sound trouble, um, let me know. I hope, I, I don't hope it's, I hope it's only you. I mean that in a good way, Asher. So it's uncommon, right, that you actually sign up for these sorts of things. I know for me, thankfully, uh, I had a really beautiful testing ground to become a better leader. I did come out of corporate while I've been doing yoga since I was eight years old and teaching it for 10 years now. Uh, for the first six years of my yoga teaching journey, I also worked in corporate. And in, in corporate, I had a management role. And I had the very good fortune of being in an, in an environment where there was a lot of training about leadership. And not only that, I had a team of staff and it was my job to manage them. And I got thrown in at the deep end. I came from being you know, a project manager where it was just me to suddenly having a team, multi-million dollar budget, and a team of people looking to me for direction. And, and I, that was a, a great testing ground for me to try things out. I got a lot of things wrong, but I got a lot of things right too. And part of that was that one of the blessings of having that job was that leadership training was part of um, my ongoing professional development. And in fact, in that culture, it was expected that you did intentionally seek out opportunities, training and informal training to, to, to work on your leadership skills. And what I quickly discovered in that environment, though, was that the sorts of leadership training I was receiving didn't always line up with what I felt to be important and that what was celebrated as leadership in the corporate environment didn't necessarily align with what my values are as a yogini. Sometimes things just didn't make sense and how to handle people wasn't always as compassionate as I felt called to do and, and looking for sort of bureaucratic solutions didn't quite feel right. But what I also saw modelled in that environment was lots of, like, we, like I mentioned earlier, bypassing of standing in the leadership role at all and avoiding difficulty and adversity because it was just too hard. Both of these things, I believe, are a misalignment with what it means to be a spiritual leader. So coming back to the point of why you got to make money, why you got to feel good about making money if you want to become a really empowered, grounded and you know aligned spiritual leader is because, dear ones, you, you something that needs investing. You know, you deserve to support yourself on this journey and you get to fast track it. You get to do it in a way that gets you the results faster. You get to do it in a way that means you're not making mistakes along the way. You get to do it in a way where you don't feel like you're, you know, out there in the wilderness hoping to God that you've got it right, but actually you've got mentors or you've got support systems that help you understand that no this is a better way to do it you get to do it in a way where you've got someone standing behind you to support you and play with ideas before you go out and try them on spiritual leadership is in part something that we do from the body mind something that we do from our intuition and it's something that we also do cognitively as well and you've got to be fed to be able to incorporate those principles and the feeding looks like investing in professional development specifically related to the skills, <clears throat> tools and techniques 
that um, are required to be an empowered spiritual leader. Why do you have to make money and feel good about it in your business so that you can be a spiritual leader? So you can learn how to do it well. That needs investing. Just because it's something like sex that we don't talk about and that we're expected to be good at doesn't mean that you're just going to hopefully figure it out along the way. I've, um, you know, I, I had the good fortune to talk to a studio owner in uh, Colorado earlier this this week, and he he's been he's had his studio now for a year, and um, very warm-hearted man, and really uh, looking to support real people in yoga. You know, he has a class for people. Uh, he's telling me he has a class for people who have Parkinson's and want to do yoga. You know, that obviously slows it down a bit and et cetera, et cetera. Great stuff, doing really beautiful work in the world. And he was saying that he keeps taking out loans from the bank. The last one was a $50,000 loan he took from the bank because his yoga studio is running at a loss. <clears throat> and in the time we spent talking with each other, it became apparent that part of the reason his yoga studio is running at a loss is because the team, he's got a, a team of teachers, and the team of teachers that he has uh, is leaderless. That in his warm-heartedness, in his desire to support people and, you know, be driven by love and community and connection, he's failed to step into the role of leader. And that's showing up by the teachers that he has working for him, not knowing what the rules are and doing things like asking for a sub at the last minute or... Um, uh, uh, using his database to access and then sell their own private things to his students or not promoting his other offerings when people turn up in the room or not helping him with his social media. And all of these things are actually undermining his success as an abundant yoga business owner and they're all stemming from the fact that he's failed to step into the role of leader and he in fact has a big aversion to doing that because in his mind, like I said at the start, he has a conflict between what leadership needs to look like and what being a yogi needs to look like. Now, if we come back to, if we come back to the, this particular teaching point for today, with an abundance of wealth in his business, he would have the opportunity to invest in himself and understand that in fact, being a spiritual leader gets to be part of your yoga, and also set yourself up for even greater abundance and prosperity because the team that you're leading won't be rudderless. They will have direction. They will know what the rules are. It's like if you're teaching yoga asana, unless you give some specific to a beginner, unless you give some specific information, like, you know, they could be unsafe. They could think they're doing the right thing, but we be wildly misaligned because they just don't have enough direction if you are fearful of telling somebody actually bend your knee more or bend your elbow less or whatever if you're scared of stepping into that role someone could cause themselves injury someone could find themselves in the wrong place someone could have that embarrassing situation of thinking they're doing it right and then looking up and going oh fudge i'm going the other way to everybody else you know <laughs> the same is true in business you know this is what leadership gets to look like and you get to do it in a way that feels great for you but stop beating yourself up if you're not doing it yet. Chances are you haven't actually done any training on this topic. I like I haven't seen any comments yet about anybody who has actually done any training on this topic. So let's just take a break, right? If you're not great at it yet, maybe you just haven't learned yet. 
You know, if someone, if you turned up at it, at a, if you turned up at a beginner yoga class and the teacher said, okay, go do a headstand. Ding. I'll just sit here and read the yoga sutras and tell me when you're done. It's if you would be able to do that very well. It's the same deal here. If you haven't had any training, of course you don't know how to do it yet. You're brand new. That's okay. Good news. Once we get comfortable with actually making money, you'll have the prosperity to invest in yourself so that you do feel really supported on that journey. And it gets to be a beautiful one. Like, like, like all self-care and professional development, when you call in the right connections, it feels fantastic and you really get to enjoy it and, and incorporate it as part of your sadhana. So reason number one, why you need to be super comfortable making loads of money in your spiritual leadership journey is because spiritual leadership is a skill set that deserves investment that your role as a spiritual leader gets to be a powerful one that deserves investment and that your community are looking to you to be an empowered leader and they deserve you investing in yourself to be able to provide that to them. Let me check in with the comments. Carol says, I've done leadership training with a corporate hat on too and also as a project manager. Nice one, Carol. Um, Nicole says, so interesting that we got all our leadership training in the corporate world and not in the yoga or spiritual world. There's a big gap in our opportunity, just as well as we're here, Nicole, right? Hey, Tracy Chapel from Western Australia. Oh, we were talking about you guys over in the West last night at my book club. Actually, we're talking about Tim Winton, but you know, finally got here, Amy, says Jody. Hey, Jody, good to see you. Look at all these gorgeous emojis. Yeah. You know, I was at my book club uh, last night and um, really, it's an excuse for, for gorgeous women who live near me to drink wine and eat unnecessarily and uh, talk for a brief moment about a book that we mostly didn't read. I never read the books. But one of my friends was saying that she'd been given as a joke birthday present by her sister a book that was called Non-Threatening Leadership Techniques for Women. This is the sort of stuff that we get. We're expected to look at this stuff and then suddenly be great at it and also still feel like we're being yoginis. No, it's never going to happen. You get to have loads of money in your business, feel great about it and reinvest in yourself so that you actually are consciously developing yourself as a spiritual leader, learning from people not like who sounds like me and Nicole and some others of you studied with when we were back in pencil skirts and pumps. But actually, what it looks like in the leader in the spiritual realm, no matter your modality, yoga or otherwise. Um, ah, de, I'm so sorry. I'm going to do this slowly. Debrikova. Oh, I still got it terrible. Says just read some stuff about it online in self development kind of space. Yeah, great, perfect. So reason number one, because you've got to invest in yourself, do you want It's worth it. You're worth it. Your community is worth it. It's not something that you just kind of should know. Remember the thing about sex? Everyone, no one talks about it and everyone expects you to be good at it. It's not how it works. You get to get the training so that you do feel comfortable and you never feel that compromising thing of, oh, fudge, I just yelled at someone and that's not how I want to show up. Or, oh, I don't... That's just too hard. I'm, I'm just not going to deal with it. Or, okay, I'm going to pay more than I want to because I'm too scared to have a conversation with somebody and negotiate a different condition. You deserve to get those skills. And having those skills means you get to invest in yourself. Let's make some money in your business. Point number two. Now, for most of us, you know, if you work in the healing arts in any way, you probably are there because you want to, you're a healer. You feel called to help and support people. And I don't know about you. I want to hear it in the chat if you agree with me on this one. But 
in this, let's call it an industry or a sector, in this part of the workforce, the healing arts, there seems to be, unfortunately, a very close connection between poverty consciousness and healing. You know, this starving healer archetype. I'm going to give everything I've got until I have a dream of fatigue. You know, I'm going to do like, I have a client, she's a body worker. We were talking yesterday, she's burnt out. Like her body is a little bit broken and her body work business packed. And she said to me, oh, but I feel bad. I said, well, how many, how many massages can you actually do a day and still feel good? And she says, probably four or five. And I said, and is that five days a week? And she said, no, it's probably four days a week. I said, okay, so for you, five massages, four days a week is actually your energetic maximum. And she said, yes, it is. And I said, and can you afford to just do that many? And she said, yes, I can. And I said, so let's make that your new boundary. And she said, oh, but I feel bad because there are other people who really need me. And I, you know, I could just squeeze them in and I feel really bad saying no. You know, I think we, we see so commonly in this industry that we, that we give and we give and we give to our own detriment. There is such a close connection between being a healer and believing in lack or believing in scarcity or being addicted to poverty thinking. And so one of the reasons that making great wealth and feeling really good about it is important on your spiritual leadership journey is because when you get that piece and when you start to really assimilate that in your own belief system and in your own life, what you're doing is modeling it for other people who come into contact with you. What you're doing is showing other people, you know what, not only is it possible to have abundance and be a powerful healer, it also gets to be in complete alignment with what you know to be true. It also gets to be part of your own spiritual journey. It also gets to be a part of how you live your life according to your yogic principles or the, you know whatever other belief system you're here joining me today with. Modeling this um, reconnection to prosperity and leadership is so, so, so important. And when you get that and you start simply living that, everybody who comes into contact with you will see you as a role model. And what that does is it gives them permission to do the same for themselves. You know, I often say that when I'm teaching a yoga class, um, I could really care less about the yoga asana that people achieve. Uh, Tracy, I'm pretty sure you get me on this one. Uh, and, and uh, you know, most of you will as well. Like I really, I could care less. As, as long as people are safe and working at their own edge and in tune with their own breath, I don't care. You know, as long as, as, long as your shape kind of looks like what I'm talking about and it's safe and it's working for your body, like I could care if you look like Mr. Iyengar or not. Let's all aspire to go there, but anywhere on the, on the journey, it's good for me as long as it's safe. What I do care about is what I'm modeling in that moment. And if me showing up to teach a yoga class with a bit of a poochy tummy or tight hamstrings or just feeling a bit kind of tired and going there and doing it anyway with everything that I've got in the moment, if that, by modeling that, gives my students permission to maybe accept themselves on a deeper level, that's what I'm interested in teaching. I could give up about the actual yoga asana, but if some other student in my class goes, huh, you know, she's got a bit of a poochy tummy, maybe I'm not going to beat myself up about the fact that, you know, I've got muffin tops. 
or whatever, saddlebags, whatever, whatever else you call it, where you come from, all the stuff on that gets shamed, all the body bits that get shamed. If I'm showing up and here's what I got, here's the body that God gave me, I'm going to rock this. And someone else can see that and give themselves permission to just not worry so much if the t-shirt falls down a little bit in a handstand. My work is done. That's what's important to me. Modeling self-acceptance, modeling being a yogini, be off the mat. That's what I'm interested in when I'm teaching a yoga class. And the same is true here when we're talking about leadership, i.e. what are you modeling for the people who encounter you in life and connecting prosperity and wealth. If you are comfortable making massive amounts of money and you're a yogini and committed to living a, you know, an ethical lifestyle, a dharmic, walking a dharmic path, and you're out there in the world just simply doing that, you are acting as a role model for people who are a little bit behind you on the path. And that is a really beautiful thing. That is how you can really be in service. So point number two and why it's important to be comfortable in making money as a spiritual leader is because when you are comfortable and you are living your life like that, you are modeling that to the other people in your community who need to get that lesson. And in them seeing you doing it beautifully, they will give themselves permission to experience that on their own, in their own lives and their own journey. And that is profound. If you can teach by example on this front, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And like I said before, particularly because in our industries, if you are a healer of any kind, I'm sure you will agree with me that in our industries, there is a painful um, schism between prosperity and spirituality. If you can bring them together and simply model that, you don't need to go talk to people, you don't need to teach a class about it, you don't need to have to be overt about it at all. But if people simply see that you take great care of yourself and you buy really beautiful food for yourself and you take time off when you need it and you've got support at home and you're investing in your own training and they, you know, they can make the connection that, wow, this person has a whole bunch of money and she's doing great things with it and being a really great yogini, maybe I can do that too. That's leadership. That leading by example is incredibly powerful. Let's see who else is here. Catalina is here. Hey, gorgeous. Um, Dita is her first name. Thanks, Nicole. Love it. Tracy Gray says, oh, wow. So now that feeling of wanting to fit someone in for a Zentai because they really need it. Yes. Stop it. Let's see here. Dita says, I actually feel bad about asking for a lot of money for my classes and workshops, but I know I have to reprogram that feeling and just charge the money. Yeah. And Dita, you know, it's not even about just charging the money. It's about understanding that, you know, we're, we're talking about an ethical exchange of energy. And if you know that your intention is to show up and serve with a certain potency, all we're seeking is a, is a balance there in what you receive back. You know, abundance is just about it's, it's the washing in and the washing out. So it's not about charging money even. It's just about understanding and valuing our own worth and seeking a, a, a mutual exchange on a pranic level with the people that you're in service to. Beautiful realization. I'm so glad you got that. You joined those dots. Love it. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nicole says, Leader, the leaders who I most look up to are those who model what they teach, not say one thing and do another thing. Totally, Nicole. I agree with you completely. And so, you know, it would be, um, if, if, if not only that, Nicole, but I think when we teach from that space, it feels better. I was talking to a colleague uh, 
uh, the other day and he was talking about how he'd been at a big yoga festival um, where we'd met actually and he was in like the celebrity tent where they whatever and he'd been at this teacher's class and um, and he said that actually he said that it was kind of like a bad class he was uncomfortable saying the word bad but essentially it was a bad class because you know it was it was good yoga asana and the playlist was good and the sequence was good but there was just something about it that was like yeah and um and afterwards he saw the teacher in the vip tent and she was drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette right and um this is not like go smoke cigarettes to be better just stay with me and and he said in that moment he suddenly saw her in a whole new light because she was actually being herself she's actually a woman who teaches yoga loves yoga likes to have a beer and a cigarette every now and then and all of a sudden he went oh actually now i get more of that i like you so much more because this feels authentic not this is not a process the point i'm trying to make is when we try and be something else people don't buy it and it feels crappy for us too right but when we feel good about it and then we model that that's where that's where you will be more successful in business that's where you'll make stronger connections with people in business and life when you're simply being yourself so doing this work and generating a level of comfort with wealth is going to set you up to model such beautiful behavior to other people to really let them call it in to their own lives candida is here yahoo all right, let's see. Question. Amy, what do you think about offering free services, workshops, healings, meditations, etc.? Um, I am all over it. Like, yes, absolutely. Offer free stuff until, you know, you've got the Hanuman kind of heart bursting open. Absolutely. If you're coming from a place of abundance. So I often use this analogy. There are people, every time I do a, a, a retreat in Thailand every year, and every year, there is at least one person who's on that retreat who hasn't paid anything. No one else knows, just me and that person. Because I know that they needed to be there and that they simply didn't have the scratch for it. I know that they needed to be there and at that point in time, they did not have the prosperity to support themselves to get there. So they just came and I said, hey, you need to be there. Just get yourself on a plane and I'll take care of the rest. I love it. It's private between me and them. It's part of my business model. You know, I do a whole bunch of stuff for free. This, Nicole and I are doing this for free. But it's coming from a place of fullness. It's coming from a place of, you know, that purna, that, that, that fullness, that complete, that abundant energy. I can do that because my business is abundant. I have more than enough in my business and I can give from that place. So beautiful question. Give as much as you feel called to for free only from a place of abundance. If you are giving from a place of scarcity, if I give this for free, then maybe they'll buy something. Or um, I'm going to start a new class and I'm worried no one's going to come, so I'm going to say bring a friend for free and hope that works. If you're coming from a place of scarcity, or this one, um, this one, her class pass has expired, but I'm scared she won't come back. So I'm going to extend it and essentially give her free classes. Any of that stuff, that's coming from scarcity. That's coming from poverty consciousness. Never give from that place. Like Tracy said about the Zentai massage, if you're already maxed, you have no business taking on another client that afternoon or whatever. Give from fullness, then yes, I'm totally a massive fan of it. I hope that answers your question. Tracy Chapel says, I'd like to see more teachers that are in abundance opening up more donation of free classes to people who can't afford it. Such an interesting one, Tracy, because you know what I find? Um, 
I he always surprises me um, that the people who want the free stuff aren't always the people who can't afford it. And I know for when I teach one to ones at private classes, it's like $150 for me. If you want to do a hour class with me, just you, me, it's 150 bucks. Uh, not that I do them very often, but it's never the people who I think it always surprises me who signs up for those. And you know, what I say to people in my community is it's none of my business what other people want to do with their money. I'm not going to presume how much someone else has or what they want to do with it. I know that I'm just going to come from my truth and offer it uh, in service. And, and if someone wants to buy it or not, that's up to them. It's really curious, this thing about donations and about who pays and who doesn't. I remember the first time I went to take classes with Govindas in Santa Monica at the Bhakti Yoga Shala. And I had the box there and it's like, donation. Cool. I had like a 20, stuck it in the box, whatever. Next time I went back, like a year later, to take more classes, there's a sign on the box that says, suggested minimum $15. Now, this is freaking Govindas. Like, people who have done anything with Govindas, pretty like amazingly warm-hearted guy, right? Like pretty much give. He can't even say a sentence without exuding this kind of like giving vibe. And even he had to put a sign on the box that said, hey, don't be a tight ass. It's 15 bucks minimum. You know, I think that we got to be careful about the donation-based stuff because it's not always the people who can't afford it that don't pay. Anyway, I'm wildly off topic, but great question. <laughs> uh, right, so let me move on to talk about the third reason that being comfortable making a whole bunch of money is an important part of being a spiritual leader. This one I love. I love this one. And it, actually, it's a beautiful segue from that, what was before a tangent of a question. So thank you so much. When you've got heaps of money, you can pay that shit forward. Like I just said about my retreat, but not just giving stuff for free, employing people. Do you know how awesome I feel that I've got right now today, three amazing women working on my business, doing the stuff I don't want to do that they're better at than I am. So I can be here with you. They're taking care of all the stuff this afternoon. I'm going to go out eat some food, nice, some food somewhere, have a coffee, to read a book. And two fabulous women are going to come into my house and clean it in a heartbeat way better than I could. I love that. I love that. I have abundance in my business so that I can employ people. You know, I can, I can support other people. I can invest in other people's businesses, the people who are managing my other projects and taking care of my house and helping me maintain my garden and helping me look after my dog. They've all got their own businesses and I can support them because I've got an abundance of wealth. Now, I'm not like P. Diddying it here, gold toilet and 96 Rolls Royces out the back. I'm not talking, you know, maybe one day, who knows? Not now. But abundance for me looks like a cleaner comes to my house every Friday afternoon. Yes. Someone else does my customer service. Yes. Someone else mixes my podcast. Excellent. Someone else helps Nicole and I make the handouts for you guys. Awesome. Like that, paying it forward, being able to support people is so cool. You want to be a good leader? You want to have good team? That takes cash. Not always. Sometimes, you know, yeah, sure. But, but it doesn't always have to be about my yoga studio is always clean because I have a rotating karma yoga roster. Sometimes you just get to say, you know what, I'm going to go find myself 
an amazing cleaner who only uses eco products, who does all the things exactly how I want to, in fact, better. And I'm going to pay her heaps because she's awesome. And I'm never again going to check the yoga studio toilets to make sure there's enough toilet paper. That's awesome. That gets to be part of being a leader. And, and same for like, maybe you want to have an apprentice or an intern. Maybe you want to offer some free training to people. Maybe you want to be able to give even more. Maybe you want to do something in your business like this that Nicole and I are doing. And in order to free up the time to be able to do that, you need someone else handling a bit of something else for you. You know, maybe you want someone else to come in and launder your massage towels or whatever it is. If you have an abundance in your business, you get to pay it forward and support other people's businesses by buying goods and services that you really feel good about. You know, maybe you want to not just have the cheap eye pillows for your yoga nidra. Maybe you want the gorgeous ones with vegetable dyes that you get on Etsy from some woman who grows her own organic lavender. Amazing. Go make a heap of money so that you can buy those babies. Having an abundance in your business means an in in the ter- in the sense of leadership empowers you to actually not only support yourself with beautiful goods and services but in doing that in being the procurer of those things you're supporting other people in their businesses as well i go to loads of yoga classes from people in my town and i've got to tell you i live in a small country town the quality of yoga here yeah diverse but I'm going to those classes because I want those people to have more people in their classes, right? And maybe I'll learn something, maybe I won't, who cares? I've had another adult telling me I can lie down for an hour. That's worth something to me. But the fact that I give her a 20 at the end, that's awesome. I get to support other people's business. I could go make my own, you know, whatever, chai latte, or I could go down the street to this kid who started his own coffee cart in the park and buy one from him. Cha-ching for him, awesome for me. If I feel comfortable making great money in my business, more of it gets to go out. Remember, abundance is about the washing in and the washing out. I make heaps, I give heaps, and so it goes. Holding on to it is hoarding. Having a heap of money that you never spend is just as much stuck in scarcity consciousness um, as not having any money at all. Different symptoms. I'm not talking about, you know, we won't go there, the geopolitics of it all. But the point I'm trying to make is, If you feel comfortable in your business generating wealth, you get to pay it forward and support people, whether that's buying goods and services from other people that you want to support, whether that's, you know, like you want to just throw someone 20 bucks a month on Patreon because they're just doing nice things in the world. Or maybe you want to give. It's not like we're short of charitable causes to give to. Or maybe you want to free up your time so that you can teach somebody else something for free. But when you are fully supported, when you are so comfortable generating abundance in your business, your leadership gets to include supporting other people in the work that they're doing in the world. And that is a super beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, Dina says there are lots of rich cheapskates. No joke. No joke. In fact, the people who always ask me for, can I have a discount? Tend to be the people who don't need the discount, in my experience. The people who say, I say that, would you like to come to this thing for free? And at first they go, oh, no, I could never. And then they say, really? And then they say, actually, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. They're the people that I like to, yeah, support. I'm with you on that one. I have a free cleaning lady, my mum. Dita, give your mum some money. Make more, give her something or whatever else is going to float her boat. I don't know, a hamper of organic chocolate. Um, hi from Switzerland. 
Thank you. A circular economy. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Nice one. Humility is super important, says Nicole. It's a virtue that takes the most practice to cultivate, but humility doesn't have to mean poverty. Totally, Nicole. I love this. My teacher has a huge, beautiful ashram from which he shares his wisdom, and he's the most humble person I know. It's amazing. Yes, I, it's a misnomer. It's, a, it's, a, it's an error. It's erroneous to think that being broke um, somehow you know, makes you more humble. Gosh. <laughs> Sad, but I think you're right. Yeah. 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 Nope. Nope. Okay, folks. So let me just recap and then we're going to change directions a little bit and I'm going to walk you through the handout that we've made for you because I want you to actually start to incorporate what I've been talking about today, like bring it into yourself. And I truly believe that writing that stuff down is a very powerful way to make that happen. In fact, it's not just me, like actual smart people that have done studies about it will prove that to you. So the three points, why being comfortable making massive amounts of money is a really important part of being a spiritual leader. One, because you get to invest in your own spiritual leadership development. Two, it means you're modeling that connection to the people who are looking up to you as a leader already, whether you realize it or not. And three, you get to pay it forward. And that is awesome. How cool is it when you see or you hear about some cause that's happening that, that you go, oh my goodness, I really want to support that. And you just get out your phone and you just send some money. That's a very cool thing. Or if someone needs something from you or um, uh, here's the thing, like how, this is in, this is, this is, you know, one of the reasons why um, one of the things that I love about having abundance last night at my book club, I'm the only vegan who goes to that book club. Everybody knows it uh, and bless them. There's so much cheese and uh, milk containing wine. At book club, like there, it's abundant. <laughs> Just <laughs> challenging for me because I did love cheese. Anyway, uh, I want to have great food to eat and I want to share it with everybody. And when you want to buy really good vegan food, like the really good stuff, you need abundance. And I love that I can swoop into book club and go, hey, here's all this cool stuff and I can eat all of it. Let's have fun. Like having that and, and, and it just demonstrating a level of generosity. And it's not to be like, hey, ladies, look at me with my... $12 chocolate, blah, blah, whatever. Like Nicole says, I'm not doing it for status. I'm doing it for ease. I'm doing it for generosity from a place of genuine giving, like hiring staff, like having the lady come clean my house who's way better at it than me. Like all of the other support that I call into my life, my coaching, my mentoring, my teacher, the, t the classes that I go take simply because I want to pay it forward and, and I want to share um, from a place of fullness the abundance that I have the very good fortune to have in my life and in doing so model what it means to be a spiritual leader. All right. So Tina says, I buy her what she wants and give her as much as she wants and pay her for the holidays. Nice exchange, Dita. That must feel amazing. Dita's talking about her mum, who was also her house cleaner there. Love it. Okay, folks, what we're going to do now is change directions a little bit while I'm giving you that. Um, let me know if there's anything that you don't understand or anything that you want me to talk about in more detail about those three points, type it into the chat. And if we don't get time to cover it for you today, I can come back in and type uh, some feedback on your comments. So investing in, this is why you need cash in your spiritual leadership development journey, investing in those skills, modeling it for your community and paying it forward and buying, investing in more support. So what I want you to do now is uh, open up the handout 
and it is shared here in the Facebook group for you. If you're like, ah, I can't find the handout, don't worry. Uh, and if you're, folks, if you're listening into the, uh, if you're listening in on the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast to this, and you're like, handout, what handout? This is a podcast. Um, you're playing through my car speaker. I'm going to read the questions anyway, so I got you. <laughs> uh, and if at all possible, I really would lovingly invite you to down tools on whatever you're doing. If you're ironing or something, stop and see if you can sit and open your journal and actually write these down because you will assimilate and alchemize this wisdom in a deeper, more powerful way if you can actually like, get it kinesthetically into your body by writing these down. Okay, so question number one that I have for you today is what beliefs in everything that we've talked about so far, these probably come up for you a little bit, what beliefs do you have around leadership and money? Now, what have you seen modeled? What are, what, what have you seen out there? What maybe has your teacher said to you or your community talked about with you? What beliefs do you have around leadership and money? I want to hear those. Let's just, just jot them down. This gets to be sort of like a catharsis. Um, yeah, you can type them into the chat too if you'd like to share. I'm going to take a sip of water. But the question is, what are the beliefs that you have around leadership and money? Loving the conversation that's happening, folks. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Just really, really inspiring. I know when I was growing up, you know, I'm 40. I don't know if I'm 41 or 42, I can't remember. But anyway, 40-something. And uh, when I was growing up, um, I grew up in a family that we didn't have much, lower middle class family, periods of financial hardship. And um, and and I thought that, you know, that, that the wealthy leaders were bad people, <laughs> that money corrupts, you know, that the people at the top, uh, you know, the evil CEOs. I had all of these beliefs that um, it was the wealthy leaders that you had to look out for. The poor ones, they, you could trust them. Like Gandhi, you know, he's making his own clothes. It, it, he's probably all right. But those rich tycoons, mm, they're probably the bad guys, right? They're the, they're the, they're the evil ones. That was, I had that belief that the leaders that have a whole lot of money, probably not great people. They're probably not living a spiritual path. And I remember when I did my first 200-hour teacher training and, um, and the guy who came to teach us on the business of yoga, he talked about how you can't be a great spiritual practitioner without lots of money. And I'm like, what? You know, have you heard of Mother Teresa? Like, yes, you can. Triggered massively. Um, I've done the work on that now. But, but growing up, I really believed that wealthy leaders were bad guys. My belief was that if you're if – you're, um, at the top and you've got a whole bunch of money, you're probably corrupt or you probably treat people badly or you're probably uh, not committed to actually doing good work in the world. So I want to know, does anyone else have something like that or maybe in the past you've been raised with that kind of story? What do people think? What beliefs do you have around leadership and money? Candida says money is abundant in the world. We need to understand how to tap into it. I also thought money was money corrupted as a child. Yeah, Candida, I reckon that's an Aussie thing too. Yeah. Um, Kim says, the more abundance you have, the more you can give back. Instead of giving to organizations, I prefer to be a philanthropist myself. 
that's what I'm working on now and it's my goal. Beautiful. I love it. Kim says, I've been lucky enough to work for wealthy leaders and my experience has been that they are more generous than the ones who make good money. I don't think it's always a question of how much you have, but if the law of attraction really works, there must be good reason why some people are healthy. No? Food for thought. I love throwing in a hashtag in there too, Kim. You're like, preach. I love it. Totally agree with you. Yeah, I think there are examples of um, both sides of this. You know, there are people who, and I think increasingly we're seeing now really beautiful philanthropists, people who do have huge amounts of wealth and are powerful leaders who are, who are supporting charities and, and, and causes and initiatives that really mean something to them. Um, but it is interesting how we can, like Candida said, carry these beliefs from childhood that may in fact not serve us and may in fact, um, I'm going to use a wanky coaching phrase here inappropriately, but upper limit us. Do you hate it when people use that? Like, it's going to turn it into a verb, baby. Can upper limit us in our growth, whether it's about money or about leadership. If you have beliefs that leaders are bad, or if you've had exposure to leaders who were not great people, then it makes sense that you would want to avoid stepping into that role. Same for money. If you've seen what's happened to folks that have, or if you've grown up with a belief system that rich people are bad people, I definitely got that one as a kid, then of course you're going to upper limit yourself with how much prosperity and abundance you bring into your business because you don't want to be a bad person. So this gets to be a journaling exercise that probably will continue beyond the scope of today. I'm going to move on to the next question on the handout. Um, keep typing in the chat, folks, if you want, about sharing those beliefs around leadership and money. The second question here then is to actually like I've just been saying, identify, you know, who does float your boat? Who is modeling this really well for you? Which leaders do you actually look up to who demonstrate spiritual money rules? And someone asked um, in the, uh, someone asked in the Facebook group before this training, what's a spiritual money rule? Um, and I guess when I say spiritual money rules, what I mean is people who call in and utilize wealth in a way that aligns with their spiritual beliefs so you know dharmic use of money if you like um who do, who is it i want to see let's type this is going to be fun type these into the chat who is it that you look up to who's doing this well that you aspire to be more like or who that you're aware of maybe it's a, a celebrity maybe it's a, a political figure maybe it's someone in fiction or a movie who do you see who's generating heaps of money and doing great things um as a spiritual leader, I'm totally curious. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm totally curious about Baba Ramdas. I don't know if anyone, sorry, Baba Ramdev. I don't know if anyone else is like interested in Baba Ramdev and the work that he does, but like totally interested in that spiritual leader when it comes to um, making wealth. Who do you look up to? Who are the leaders in your life that are modeling spiritual money rules for you? Dude, uh, is an old leader cares about his employees and wants to share the profit. And if he makes a lot, he wants his employees to make a lot as well and make them happy so that they're motivated to do a good job. Beautiful. These are the sorts of qualities that we, we get to look up to, right? And role models that we get to uh, attune ourselves to uh, in our own spiritual leadership journey. Candy, this is Oprah. I think you've nailed it there. Like, uh, you know, she's just like a classic example. Yeah. Nice one, Candida. Uh, Kim says, Oprah, but before they all came, Audrey Hepburn and Lady Di. Nice one, Kim. Lady Di, what? Yes. Nice. Yeah, I really like that. Richard Branson says, Tracy, I don't know 
if he is spiritual, but he seems to be quite ethical. And hey, I'll take it, right, Tracy? I'm interested about, you know, it's it's curious when we ask this question about um, spiritual leaders because we're seeing here, I mean, Oprah, where she's sort of a celebrity and from the media industry for first and foremost, Richard Branson is an entrepreneur. I'm curious, particularly for folks who are checking this out on the replay, like who else can we look up to? Are there other people more specifically in our traditions that might model this behavior for us? Leaders that you look up to, um, Tony Robbins says Dita. Yeah. Yeah, nice one, dear. I'm, I'm going to really be contemplating all of these folks. Thanks so much for sharing them. It's interesting stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great conversation. Okay. Time is of the essence. Let me move on to our final question. So here we go then. If we've had a conversation about the three reasons why you need to be comfortable making great money in your business and being a spiritual leader, here's my closing question for you today. Where are you currently being cheap with yourself and your spiritual leadership development journey? Where are you being cheap with yourself? Where are you under-investing in yourself? And that might look like trainings and courses, etc. But it might also look like where are you doing things in your life that would be better handled by someone else? Where are you... Um, Here's a good one. Here's where people be cheap with themselves in uh, spiritual leadership. Maybe there's someone that you're working with or who is working for you who isn't quite pulling their weight. And rather than having a conversation with them, you're just going in and fixing up the thing. Oh, it's just easier if I do it. Didn't quite clean the studio toilets like I wanted, but um, I'll pay her and I'll just go in and fix it up anyway. Or, or um, you know, maybe you have a studio manager who, who doesn't quite reconcile the accounts at the end of the day like you wanted to but rather than talk about it you're just going to take up some of your time double handling it and doing it again where are you currently being cheap with yourself when it comes to your own spiritual leadership maybe you know you you um uh maybe there's a training you want to go take but i'll just get the free free podcast where they're talking about the training rather than signing up for the training or um I'd, like I'd love to maybe um, you know maybe you're still trying to lodge your own tax return and honey you need an accountant where are you being cheap with yourself with your own leadership development cleaning the studio says Candida this one is classic stop it everybody you don't have to do that <clears throat> marketing says Dita nice one marketing yes nice one nice one um, who else like where else are you being cheap with yourself with your leadership um, I want to know where could you, if you were just a little more comfortable with making money and accepting it and calling it into your life, could you actually step up more into your power as a leader and stop being cheap with yourself? Let me think about, uh, I mean, I know this one for sure. I, um, when I first started as a coach, I was so stuck in poverty consciousness that I believe that I had to do everything myself. Not only that, I was so arrogant, I guess, in hindsight, that I thought no one could do it as good as I could. <laughs> that I struggled. Like I think my first year in business as a coach, I made $14,000. Ain't no one living in Australia on that who wants to eat shishi vegan chocolate. That's not a happy life. Uh, but you know, I'm going to do this. 
that is not the, like depriving myself of support equals shitty leadership skills, Amy. I was so cheap with myself. And it wasn't until I went, right, actually, it's time to be a leader and actually get some team and have people who absolutely can do this better than you can working for me that my business really took off. Where are you being cheap with yourself? Uh, Dita says, investing into the marketing as I do it by myself. Tracy says, pricing for my private clients and charging for my travel. Haven't we talked about this tea gray already? <laughs> I clean the mats and the windows and outside all the time. Laughing emoji. I'm glad there's a laughing, it's like a sweaty brow laughing emoji. I don't know what that one's called. Yes, yeah, stop it. Pay somebody. How grateful would someone be in your community who's like, yeah, sure. What, you're going to pay me to just like clean your windows and the mats? Done so grateful to get that little bit of extra cash every week or whatever doing that for you and you get the time to go do something else that's more important for you not that you're better than the window washing person it's not about that it's, not, it's just not even close to being about that but for me i could spend two hours cleaning my house or i could be doing this training with you guys and paying someone else to clean their house it's about where is my energy best channeled and for me it ain't on a vacuum right? It always ends in conflict, me and my vacuum anyway. Um, yes, those are magic words, says Kim. Bam. Any last declarations of cheapness, folks? Were you being cheap with yourself and your leadership? Maybe because you've had this conflict going of what it means to be an abundant business owner and a spiritual practitioner. We were talking about this all week, bringing these two things together. I want to know it. <laughs> You're so fun and interactive, everybody. Thanks for making my Friday morning just so joyful. Uh, and happy International Women's Day, everyone, too. Shout that out. Any last calls, any last declarations of cheapness? And this is not about shaming, but it is about maybe having a bit of a chuckle to ourselves and going, huh, that was kind of ding-dong. I might do that differently going forward. That's all this is for, like building sangha, cooler, sharing and and getting to know each other a little bit more and recognizing that hmm, maybe that thing i was doing wasn't the best way to do it and i might try doing something a little bit differently hey kimberly great to see you here you might like to catch the rest of the training on the replay because we've been chatting for a while folks keep those uh keep the conversation going keep the chat happening any more shares about where you may have been being cheap with yourself uh, the handout is there, or you can type it into the chat, get it into your journal. Nicole and I love hearing from you. Before I finish up, I just wanted to let you all know that Nicole and I are hosting the most incredible retreat. It starts on the 30th of May at the Shivananda Yoga Ashram in the Bahamas. This is a very special, sacred place for Nicole, and I am overjoyed that I get to accompany her there and help uh, co-teach this retreat. It is all about spiritual leadership it is about leadership for yoginis leadership for women in heart-based passion-based businesses and how do you do that in a way that empowers yourself and your community and aligns with your values and beliefs so we'll be spending a full week at the ashram nicole is going to be teaching us shivananda yoga which is where i started out i cut my teeth on yoga with the shivananda tradition super super beautiful very healing very nourishing uh, we're going to be well fed there's going to be meditation. There's going to be chanting and kirtan. If you've never been to an ashram before, this is going to be the most beautiful way to experience it. And as well as a whole bunch of other gorgeous things that come with spending a week in an ashram, you'll also receive these powerful teachings in person with Nicole and I. So if pursuing this path 
does feel like the next best step for you, please do go take a look at our retreat. We have limited the numbers. One, because Nicole and I really desire to make this a powerful, close group of yoginis and also just the nature of the ashram. Ain't a whole lot of space. So if you do feel called to join us, we really would encourage you to get in on that sooner rather than later. And to help facilitate that, we do have a, uh, a bonus that comes if you take the early bird sign up. All of the information is at amymcdonald.com.au forward slash leadership. Nicole, if you're still here, it'd be great if you could type that into the chat for us. Uh, all of the information is on that page, what the schedule looks like, what you can expect, the pricing and how that works, some beautiful photos from the ashram itself, and a whole lot more about Nicole and my son Culpa for that week because it is going to be just the most incredible celebratory week of yoga, the yogini lifestyle, and really feeling authentic and aligned with what it means to be a spiritual leader. So head over and check that out. I'm going to finish this up now. Happy Women's Day to you too, Dieter. I'm sorry I got your name around the wrong way. I feel bad about that. Um, my apologies. <laughs> Do keep the conversation going here in the chat. It's been an absolute pleasure hanging out with you all. I'm sorry I've gone a little bit over time, but I just love this topic so much. Thank you everybody who joined me and Nicole live for our first training. What a beautiful way to kick off a week-long immersion into spiritual leadership and what that means. Nicole will be back in a couple of days to teach another one of these live trainings. So make sure you have those details in your diary. We've put all the events in the Facebook group here for you. So you can just go click going on all of those and lovely Facebook will give you a little ping reminder. You'll also be getting email reminders from us as well uh, if you um, so you don't miss out. And of course, if you can't get to us live because of time zones and whatnot, these all will be here uh, for you to watch uh, on the replay. Do make sure that if you want me or Nicole to see your comments, we don't want to lose your wisdom uh, in, in everything else that's going on, on online. Um, so just tag us so that we can get in there. If you've got questions, uh, you know, you want to share something in particular, please make sure that you tag us so that we don't we hate to miss you. Uh, good, dears, forgive me for getting a name around the wrong way. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, tag us with anything that's going on. Keep sharing, keep talking to each other. You know, there are 200 women who have signed up for this masterclass. Who knows? Maybe there are some great uh, business uh, 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 come on, collaborations to be found here. So really enjoy your time here in the masterclass. It's going all week long, and I can't wait to spend even more time with you. Take care everybody. And for those of you who have been listening in on the Abundant Yoga Teacher podcast, it's been so great having you here joining us. If you aren't already subscribed to the Spiritual Leadership Masterclass with Nicole and I, it's not too late, but you do need to get yourself registered and you can find the registration link in the podcast episode notes to get yourself signed up. Everybody who is here live, thanks so much for sharing your energy. It's been really, uh, it felt like such a deep blessing for me on a Friday morning. Can't wait to see you all again soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that fabulous yogi superstar. Want more from me? Subscribe to this podcast or follow me on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Talk again soon.